0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Matt here. Um, This is a disclaimer (laughs) or an update that we're putting in on the front end of the podcast here on Dogpile today on this Thursday because when Brett Hudson and I sat down, recorded the podcast, um, told you about our sponsors, Land Bank and Jubilation's Cheesecake and the whole thing, we discussed the Georgia-Mississippi State series upcoming. There was a piece of information that we didn't have yet, at the time we recorded, that came out just after we got through recording the podcast. That piece of information is, as you probably already know by now, that Emerson Hancock, who is the ace of the Georgia pitching staff, is not going to pitch for Georgia this weekend and start, well, according to people covering the team and quotes from the head coach Scott Strickland at Georgia – and you'll hear as we go forward in the podcast, Brett and I did spend some time talking about that pitching matchup between Ethan Small and and Hancock in the first uh, game on Friday. We talked about that a little bit. Just want to say right off the bat, after we recorded the podcast, we then saw the news and became aware that it was just then being reported that Emerson Hancock will not pitch on Friday night for Georgia and wanted to make sure you were updated right off the front. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Mississippi Land Bank, or Land Bank, whichever you prefer. Mississippi Land Bank, uh, locations throughout North Mississippi. And if you are considering anything land-related, buying, selling, just looking, maybe it's farmland, maybe it's recreational property, maybe you're looking to build that dream home, they can help you with all of that, and I'll give you a, a personal stamp on this. They are the kind of people that you want to do business with, trust me. And so when the need arises and you're thinking land, head on over to Mississippi Land Bank. Also brought to you by Jubilation's Cheesecake in West Point. They can help you with your fundraiser. They're a great item to sell for fundraisers because, frankly, they just taste good. And uh, you you make a pretty decent profit off of each one you sell for your fundraiser. And the folks at Jubilation's uh, there in West Point will print your order sheets for you and hand them over to you. It's just an easy process, and it kind of beats going out and selling, you know, the typical candy bar, and it sets you apart. So when you have a fundraiser, think about Jubilation's Cheesecake in West Point.
1: The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Out-recorded,
0: Omaha, here comes the Bulldog baseball team. And here's a
1: Has What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Dogpop. I'm not riding so low anymore, boys and girls. I'm yeah. living the dream. I got Matt Wyatt <laughs> back with me. I am Brett Hudson, as usual. Matt, it's good to have you back, and you come with pretty fantastic timing considering (laughs) they just won the governor's cup and they're hosting the sec leaders this uh this weekend
0: your your return comes with
1: impeccable timing
0: impeccable timing yeah that's right so you're not riding solo anymore but are you riding dirty you remember that song right i'm I'm always
1: riding dirty yeah matt yeah
0: well go update your car tag and you know get that inspection sticker (laughs) no um yeah so it is good timing um you know because of being out of pocket and and out of town I was not able to go to the governor's cup game on Tuesday night and didn't see it nor did anybody else who wasn't there because it wasn't televised in any way but I was able to follow it on your Twitter feed as well as uh listening on my phone to Jim call the game with Ross Mitchell you know and and I'll say side note if people haven't had a chance to listen to one of the games when Ross is on there with uh with Jim, he really does a good job, and it's neat to hear somebody who knows so much about pitching. Yeah. He, he he talks a lot about, you know, the, the thought process behind each at bat and location and movement and what's good and what's bad, and it's coming from somebody who's been there and done that, and so I really enjoyed that. And I got to say, Brett, you know, I'm not surprised that State won the game, but I'm a little surprised at they held that Ole Miss lineup to just one run. Yeah, that was a pretty good trick they pulled. Uh no doubt there. Uh, they won that game
1: 8 to 1 to quickly reset the situation as we're going in. Mississippi State is 33 and 9, 10 and 8 in SEC play. They beat Ole Miss to win the governor's cup for the fourth year in a row, 8 to 1. They will host Georgia in a weekend series, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's uh it's raining like heck in Starkville. Right huh. now, I just had a uh, lightning strike in in oh. my background. If only this were a video podcast, y'all could have <laughs> y'all could have seen that. Anyway, the um, the weather looks good for for the weekend. It looks like this rain is is coming through and getting out of the way. So it'll be uh, barring barring something changing, it'll be six thirty Friday on SEC Network Plus, noon Saturday, pretty early game there on SEC Network, and then Sunday one o'clock SEC. Network plus uh, to get back to that old Miss game eight to one. You're, you're right. The, I think a lot of people are talking about the hitting because hitting kind of became very difficult inexplicably against Arkansas for, for a weekend. I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah. Momentarily. But the, the pitching was, was excellent. And in, in this regard, Peyton Plumley four strong innings to start. He's the one that gave up the run, but I mean, he gave up three hits and a walk in four innings. And against an SEC lineup, mm. you'll, you'll take that yeah. most of the time. Keegan James, Tristan Barlow, Colby White, and Jared Lee Belt pieced together the final five uh, innings of, of this game to win it 8-1. to one. And then they got some support in the sixth and seventh innings with, with three spots in each of those uh, innings. And kind of being there and, and reporting after the fact, the, the, the word of the day was confidence. They, they seem to have gotten their confidence back in this game because you could see why when they left Arkansas, they might not have been
0: mm-hmm.
1: all that confident. But, I mean, Tristan Barlow said it after the game and Justin Foskew said it after the game. And in fairness, uh, well, to, to be transparent, I tried to record those interviews, but they are on the field at wow. Trustmark Park where they're playing the music and and all that stuff. So I was trying to cut up the sound bites this morning. Yeah. And you could hear Hammer Time better than you could hear Justin Foskey. Uh, <laughs> so I figured uh figured I wouldn't uh, bother with that, but I can't paraphrase. My question to Foskey was it goes back to that sound bite from Jake Mangum that we played on the podcast earlier this week where Jake really prioritized having a good Monday practice to mm-hmm. being good you know, attitude noble field in their practice on monday to kind of flush their thursday friday saturday weekend in fayetteville and try to get back to where they have been for the rest of the year because as as he said it it's kind of wild that it took them this long to have an unfortunate stretch of, of hitting and pitching like this coinciding with one another but his main emphasis was to have a good practice on monday and get the team in its usual mindset and its usual approach going into this Governor's Cup t- game on Tuesday. So I asked Justin Foskey, what was Monday's practice like, and he said it was very casual. It was just some light BP, some light ground ball work. It wasn't uh, an intense practice. It wasn't anything different or out of the routine because and, – and this goes back to what Jake said on Monday – they've been in worse situations. I think everyone remembers the first six weeks of the 2018 season. I think everyone remembers the up-and-down nature of the 2017 season. Then that 2016 team had to go on a huge run in May to accomplish what it ultimately accomplished. So just one bad weekend two months into the season is nothing for this group of players to bat an eye at because they've been through – uh, a lot more turbulent times. Even guys like Justin Foscue, who is a sophomore, so they were very. It was very easy for them to stick to their approach and stick to what they usually do, and just continue on with how they normally approach business because most of the time that works out for them. And sticking to their their business as usual Monday is what got them swinging the bats well late in the game Tuesday, and it. It's only one game, so that that confidence will stand the test of time. Come the weekend series against Georgia, but as of right now, they have their confidence back, and that's what the the
0: governor's cup, governor's cup game accomplished for them. You know, I, I was um, so similar to that first game, that Thursday game against Arkansas, in that Rowdy put a run on the board with a home run. You know, but in this midweek against Ole Miss, it's like that sort of opened the floodgates. You know, yep. the the whole hitting his contagious thing, it, it actually worked out that way. And, you know, and they gave – didn't I see where they gave Foscue the MVP? He had the RBI double. But, yeah, they did. But, but I still feel like the the Rowdy Jordan home run had to be what, you know, sent a little confidence through the dugout and because then it was pretty much all downhill after that. They started putting up runs. and And on the other side, Brett – what what do you chalk it up to? I mean, I, again, I didn't see it. I'm just looking at box score stuff and the fact that Ole Miss was always, from like the second inning on, they were always getting runners on base, but somehow everybody on the mound for State was just uh, apparently able to make clutch pitches at the right time to get the right ground ball, the right pop up, and just didn't give up those runs, even though they were, you know, they were pitching with base runners.
1: Yeah, it, it's a good point. If you you're, you're looking at the box score, and just to kind of review what you're seeing, Keegan James gave up a walk in his two-thirds of an inning. Uh, Tristan Barlow gave up a hit in his one and a third. Colby White gave up a hit in his one and a third, and Jared Liebelt gave up three hits and two walks in his two innings that that he took. And, and you're right, it, it was Ole Miss was always threatening Mississippi State. They never. It, it, with the exception of that bases loaded situation at the end. But at that point, State was already up eight to one. It's not like it's not like there was impending doom at that point. But Ole Miss was always there until that sixth and seventh inning rally. And I, I think that kind of speaks to the confidence that the pitching staff could have gotten out of something like this. When you give up 16 walks mm. in that Friday game in Fayetteville and you just – in general, don't pitch up to the standard that you've set for yourself over the first two months of the season in one weekend. In Fayetteville, you could very much use uh, an outing like this to get your get yourself right. And I think Peyton Plumley embodies that better than anybody else. He was he was a bonafide starter for Mississippi State early in the, or in the last maybe two weeks before that Arkansas outing. I mean, he went five and a third strong, and then five strong against Tennessee and Alabama. And then he goes to Fayetteville and he goes two innings, three hits, five runs, four of them earned, three walks, so those 50 pitches and in a start. You're, you're looking for more than that, typically. But then he leaves himself, because of that, he leaves himself fresh for the Governor's Cup game, a very important game to Coach Limonis, to the to the roster, to the fan base, and particularly to President Mark Keenum. That man loves him, that Governor's Cup, loves it to death, uh, prominently displays them in his office based on on what I can tell. So they have an opportunity to throw Plumley in the Governor's Cup game. They do it, and he bounces back. He delivers the four innings that I mentioned earlier, only one run allowed, gives Mississippi State a chance to to rally in the later stages of that game and win. I think he personifies the overall impact that this Governor's Cup game could have, which is basically proof of concept that we don't have to do anything drastic. We aren't suddenly different pitchers. We aren't suddenly a different baseball team than we were before we went to Fayetteville. We just have to stick to the approach and stick to the process and trust that the game of baseball will ultimately average out and be in our favor because we're good
0: mm-hmm.
1: at the game of baseball. And I think. A pitching performance like that, especially with your high leverage arms, with Barlow, with White, with Leebel, those are the guys that you lean on in your weekends, and Plumley too, since he's a, a starter, and and Keegan James, he's been a important bullpen piece in the Plumley starting starting era. So I think all five of those guys that pitched in in the Governors Cup game, uh, all of those outs that you got mentioned with guys on base, they bring them back to what they have been. Throughout the course of the season, or at least that's the that's the hope for Mississippi State going into a pretty important series.
0: Yeah, um, Brett, I want to ask um, a question or two about the the pitching in the midweek as it relates to this coming weekend and what we might see. But first, mm-hmm. I want to pause for a word from our sponsors.
1: We do more than make a living off the land in North Mississippi. We live for the land too. We live for an early morning duck hunt. Time spent in a deer stand a day of fishing, and the outdoor life. For more than 100 years, Mississippi Land Bank has been a great hunting partner for recreational land lovers. By helping to finance the land they've set their sights on, we know what a hunter loves and the lay of the land in North Mississippi. And that's where I stand.
0: You can find Jubilation's Cheesecakes in North Mississippi Kroger's and in other stores, including locations throughout the Golden Triangle. Look for Jubilation's products and support Great Bulldogs. You'll notice the quality and the flavor the second you take your first bite. And they make wonderful mail-order gifts as well. Check them out at jubilations.com or stop by and see them in West Point, right on Highway 45. Okay, so Brett, my question was um, Plumley throws 60 pitches against 17 batters in uh, four innings. And we already saw that JT Ginn is going to move up back into that Saturday start role this coming weekend against Georgia. So it'll be small and then Ginn. Game three, after 60 pitches and a four-inning start on Tuesday, does Plumlee turn around and start that Sunday game?
1: It's a very good question. It's it's the question of the week, and we we normally get SEC pitching matchups sometime on Thursday. So mm-hmm. probably by the time this podcast posts, we'll have something resembling an answer. But since we're we're kind of prognosticating at this point, I'm going to guess no. Yeah, but it, you can see it either way because it's it's all on. As, as Coach Lamona said after the game, it's all on how Peyton feels Wednesday yeah. after throwing those 60 pitches in Pearl uh, and, and how he reacts. And it's possible that they start him and only throw him two innings like they did against LSU. So to take it back, here's, a, here's an important stretch in, in the season that might give you a, an indication of what may come for Peyton Plumley. So on March 26th, he gets to start against Mississippi Valley State. Oh, no, that's not a start. That was a relief. Um, relief out. so on March 26th, that was a Tuesday. He goes three and two thirds against Mississippi Valley state, 72 pitches.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then on Saturday against LSU, he starts throws 40 pitches. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of the template here. Yeah. Cause he yeah. throw on Tuesday that week, 72 pitches, then throws 40 pitches on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So he threw 60 pitches on Tuesday and he won't start until Sunday. See, now I'm actually talking myself into the other side of this of this uh yes, I'm actually going to say that he does mm-hmm. start the Sunday game but does so on a relatively low pitch count, maybe something in that 40 range like he hit against LSU and you can do that to Peyton Plumley this weekend because there is no midweek game in between Right? Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that's, that's I correct. I think that's right. Yes, there is no midweek game. So they play Friday, Saturday, Sunday against Georgia. Then they have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Texas A&M. So you can basically do what you did in the final week of March with Peyton in the final week of April. You can throw him bulk in a midweek, give him a short start uh, in the weekend, and then give him the entire week to recover because that's what they did Earlier in the year, so March 26th a Tuesday, he goes 72 pitches. That Saturday, he goes 40. He does not pitch in the midweek, and then he's good to go 73 the ensuing weekend against Tennessee. Now that I'm kind of thinking out loud here. I think that's what's going to happen. He throws 60 pitches on Tuesday. I think he's going to go short start on Sunday against Georgia, maybe something in the 40 to 50 pitch range. And since you know you won't have to pitch him in midweek this week, you give him all week off and he's good to go for what should be a Saturday start, a game three start in college station, Texas. That's my, that's my official prediction. Does that sound reasonable?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And it would, it would fit the mold of what you've seen in the past. And, um, and that was the thing. I mean, Keegan James throws 14 pitches. I think it was, yep. uh, and, you know, and it was pretty good. And so, you know, it's, it's probably whole staff don't you think? Unless he, uh, you know, unless Peyton goes out there and he's supposed to have short start, but the first two innings, he gets, you know, six outs throwing 12 pitches or something crazy like yeah. that, you know, and then maybe it's a little longer, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that, I think that makes, uh, I think it makes perfect sense. Well,
1: and, and one more, one more idea I have, well, let me run you, let me run this past you. Let's say, Let's say things get sideways in the Friday Saturday games. Like let's say let's say one of those two games goes like 15 innings or something and state has a taxed bullpen. I wouldn't be surprised because Keegan James only threw 14 pitches in the Governors Cup game. I wouldn't be surprised if Keegan starts that game, you try to get him to go maybe 5 6 innings to start, then you give Peyton Plumley a quick maybe 20 pitch relief outing. In, in support mm-hmm. of that or maybe Peyton Plumley has to pitch in relief at some point in the Friday Saturday games because the bullpen is taxed. So I think uh, here's where here's where now that I've kind of thought out loud, here's where I officially stand on this. I think Peyton Plumley will start the Sunday game against Georgia and go short, short er relatively speaking, pitch count wise mm-hmm. unless things get crazy in the bullpen. Friday, Saturday, and you got to tax a lot of arms, and you need a long Sunday start—a 80 pitch, 90 pitch, 100 pitch outing on Sunday out of your starter. In which case, they'll have to go to Keegan James because the history suggests that you would rather not throw a guy 60 plus pitches twice in the
0: same week. Mm, that's right. That's that's right. Because it's a long season. You got to have him, you know, beyond this weekend for sure. But I do yep. think that. In a in a small way, it uh, there's a pun for you. It really ramps up the importance of the first two games for state with small on the mound and again on the mound in game two. Not that they're not important already. I'm just saying it's like if if you're if you know that third starter is not going to be asked to to go five innings or possibly six. You yeah. know, you look at those first two games and go, we really need to get good starts out of Small and Ginn, and everything you've seen would be, uh, if it's consistent, you will get those good starts. But And, hey, and let me ask you this. Um, the update on Jake Mangum's chase to be the hits leader in the SEC, I, I was looking on Twitter. There used to be this Twitter account, and I think it was called Mangum's Chase or something, and now I can't find it. I'm wondering if it got shut down for some reason I can't find a weird Yeah, maybe it's out there and I just don't know how to look it up, but I used to just go search on Twitter and I would type in like Mangum's chase and it would pop up and suggest it to me. And I can't seem to find it.
1: I wonder if it's strange. Uh, I wonder, uh, I wonder what's going on there, but yeah, you, you bring up a good point. We probably do need to update that considering he's almost certain to break the, uh, break the record this weekend against Georgia, which uh, it was kind of a, up and down path to get to this point, but the fact that he is likely to break that that to tie and break Eddie Furnace's record with a home field crowd at, uh-huh. at Doody Noble Field that's a uh, that's a good moment for him. It sure would have been funny to <laughs> to break it against Ole Miss, and also it would have been fitting since Pearl is his hometown to break it there. But that's uh, that's not going to be the case. So he got one hit against Ole Miss uh, in the Governor's Cup game. So he now has 348 career hits. Eddie Furness has 352, so he needs four hits to tie the record, five to break it. Uh, okay. That's what that's what Jake Mangum's looking at this weekend in his in his chase of Eddie Furness. Okay. Um, right. And generally speaking, that's attainable for for Jake Mangum. I mean, he's hitting 382 mm. for God's sake. We we know what what he's capable of, even with. A quote-unquote struggling weekend at Arkansas. He still had two hits. Uh, look at look at his previous production: four hits in the Alabama weekend, six in the Tennessee weekend, five in the LSU weekend, six in the Auburn weekend, and five in the Florida weekend. So it's it's very much attainable for him to at least tie the record with Eddie Furnace this weekend. If not, go ahead and and break that thing. Straight up. Now, it's going to be a tough task. Georgia has an incredible pitching staff, and we'll get to that mm-hmm. momentarily. Uh, but that's where that's where Jake stands right now. 348 career hits. Eddie Furness at 352. There you go. Okay,
0: four to tie and five to break the record. Yeah, Georgia, um, you know, I think at one point they were ranked as high as number two in the country. And, yes, they pitch it really well. And they kind of do throughout – the weekend, which is a big part of it. They just have a really good baseball team, uh, you know, all the way through up and down their lineup. They're good. They can hit for some power. They are, they are experienced, you know, so it, this is a really good team coming in for sure. It is very, very good. So Georgia has won its last four
1: sec games. They've won six of their last eight sec games and it's all pitching An sec lineup. Check this out. An SEC lineup hasn't scored more than three runs in a game on Georgia in the month of April. It last happened in a 10 to 8 win over Kentucky in a March 30th rubber match. That's it's incredible. That's the best at batting average allowed in the SEC, 182. No other SEC team wow. is under 210. Mm-hmm. They've got the best whip in the nation, one point oh five. The Friday night starter, Emerson Hancock, which by the way, what a great Georgian name. Emerson <laughs> Hancock. I can't believe he's not playing quarterback for Georgia. Uh, Unbelievable. Anyway, he's got a 1.04 ERA, a 0.7 whip, 69 innings, nice. 77 strikeouts suggests 15 walks. And the Sunday guy, Tony Losey, has also been awesome. 2.04 ERA, actually a lower batting average allowed than Emerson Hancock, 134 to 143. Losey just walks a few guys more, so you can see why. He's the, he's the Sunday guy. The Saturday guy is intriguing to me, though. C.J. Smith, he's not covering a lot of innings in SEC play. Six starts in league play. Three of them have gone four innings or shorter, and he's allowed at least two runs in all three of those relatively short starts. But I did find this interesting about C.J. Smith, and I want your thoughts on on this, Matt. Georgia has used Cole Wilcox out of the bullpen in all six of Smith's starts this year. Smith is a sophomore lefty, and Wilcox is a freshman righty. So you can see what they're doing there. But Wilcox has been awesome. Here here is his combined line in those six Saturday SEC appearances in the SEC, all of them relieving C.J. Smith. 15 and two-thirds innings, eight hits and three runs allowed, two of them earned for an ERA of 1.15, 21 strikeouts to 10 walks. Yeah, he's been awesome. Yeah. in in relief of C.J. Smith, Cole Wilcox has been fantastic out of the bullpen. And another interesting note: Aaron Schunk has eleven saves this year. Three of them have come after a C.J. Smith start and a Cole Wilcox relief outing. It's it's an interesting formula for for their pitching
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, rotation that Georgia has. But they're thirteen and five. They're leading the SEC, so it clearly works for them. Yeah, no, it, it
0: clearly does. It's a matchup of, I mean, it really is a matchup of the, as you're pointing out, the best hitting team in the SEC versus the best pitching team. That's what you have. Uh, State leads the SEC with a 314 team batting average. They also lead the SEC in doubles. Uh, they're about middle of the pack in home run, but if you were to go you know, home runs, to batting average. Vandy might be a few points better, but state's right there. So they're hitting for power and very, very few strikeouts. That's the other thing about it. You know, another reason you're the leading hitting team right now in the SEC at state, at, uh, a team BA of, you know, uh, 314, is state through 42 games is sitting there at 257 strikeouts, okay, mm-hmm. as a team. The next closest. On the list of the fewest would be Tennessee with two eighty five, but Tennessee's way down, to, you know, near the bottom of the league in team batting average. So they're putting it in play there, but still, to to kind of put in perspective how successfully State's putting it in play and finding holes. You look at that. Uh, the, the The next fewest strikeouts for a team in the SEC is they still have thirty more strikeouts on the year than State does you know, across those forty something games that everybody's played. Yeah. So, um, you know, state state is the best hitting team, even though they were kind of the weekend of Arkansas, they they are the best hitting team in the league. They go put up eight runs, you know, in the governor's cup against Ole Miss. Georgia, I say they're the best pitching team overall, you know, you look at the whole year, Tennessee's team ERA is slightly better at two point six eight, but Again, you start looking at SEC competition, Georgia has been the best, and they are the best, period. Um, and, and the strikeout numbers for Georgia are you know, way on up there. So it's like a classic, which is this going to be? Is it the immovable object or is it the unstoppable force, one or the other, and it's in Starkville uh, against a team that numbers-wise pitches it similarly to Georgia? Uh, across the entire year, State went to Tennessee and got a two-out-of-three series, you know, and hit it when they had to and, and paired that with good pitching. So this is um, – you know, and it's not like State is entirely different from Georgia in the pitching category. State's really good too. State, team pitching, team ERA, they're in the top five of the SEC, but Georgia's just been really good. And, um, yeah, so State's been a little bit more of a of a strikeout staff too. Uh, each team has played 42 games, and so you look at State's pitching staff sitting there with uh, about 50, well, exactly, exactly 50 more strikeouts as a staff, a pitching staff, coming into the weekend. So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if you're a numbers person, you know, if you're a money ball person, Brett, and, and all stats, you look at this and you go, still, states should have the advantage, especially being at home in the series. Am I crazy?
1: Well, not not only that, but to use the the gambling adage of find the worst unit on the field and bet against it. Yeah, uh, that's often a, a football thing. Uh, but if you were to extend it to baseball in this series, the worst unit on the field is probably Georgia's lineup, mm. right? Yeah. So you would you would in theory bet against that. But even this Georgia lineup, just to speak to the Overall quality of of this matchup, this Georgia lineup isn't bad. They have four everyday guys with OPSs above 900. And by the way, one of them is Aaron Shunk, that same guy who has 11 saves on on the year. So he's, he's a real fun college baseball player. The others are LJ Talley, John Cable, and Tucker Maxwell.
0: Talk about <laughs> Georgia names. i tell you what, Tucker Maxwell, if that won't get you a membership to Augusta National, what will? You know, I mean, mean, again, how is he not a tight end for the football team? What are we doing? (laughs) What's
1: going on here? Yeah, right. (laughs) they got a Randon Jernigan and a Chaney Rogers Mm -hmm. on this team. This is amazing.
0: It is amazing. The names are really amazing. Chaney. I am so glad this team is leading the SEC right now. Yeah. All they need is, um, a Thurston Howell third, and we'd have a regular Gilligan's Island going on with all these <laughs> names. But... Hey, uh, try this stat on for size. See what you think. This is me. Gladly. I'm sifting through some of these stats and just kind of looking at what the teams have done. I know, I know, I know that it's wins and losses that matter the most. Yes. Dominant pitching is what you want first. Yes, and Georgia has that. But State and Georgia have played the same number of games this year. They've each played 42 games. Mm -hmm. Georgia hitters have struck out 73 more times than State has. Wow. That's a pretty significant number. And the reason I bring it up is this. I want somebody listening to the podcast to be able to, without looking at these numbers with their own eyes, they just hear it and they can close their eyes and picture We've all seen State play these 42 games. Imagine State hitters having 73 more Ks at the plate than they currently do. That's Georgia, okay? You know, they're a 266 average team. So you strike out that much. I, I, let's let's look at the other um, – if I look across the league at the teams who have more strikeouts than Georgia – um. Arkansas does, um, Kentucky obviously does, and South Carolina yeah. does. Yeah, you know, so there aren't many teams that have. Well, and Auburn. Auburn has one more strikeout on the year, and that's a team that State, for all intents and purposes, should have, could have, would have, but probably should have swept Auburn. Um, so again, I, I just pointed out that for Georgia to to have their record, they have to be dominant pitching because you know hitting the ball is you're right so it speaks to your point the weakness of the Georgia team is the frequency this they're not bad it's just the frequency with which they're putting the ball in play and making the defense do something they strike out a lot and compared to state who does not strike out very much or hasn't um and it was a very uncharacteristic weekend last week in Fayetteville but yeah I just see it as I just see this as state has the advantage I just think they do. They're at home. They're facing a team that strikes out a bunch, and nobody strikes out batters um at, at quite the rate that Ethan Small and J T Ginn have done at home. Um and and you know Georgia's gonna pitch well. So what I'm ready for, I'm ready for State to have to win a three to two game on Friday and maybe have to win a one of those, you know, five to four grinded out types of games on Saturday that's kind of what I'm looking for
1: yeah I would be I would be surprised if any game gets above maybe seven yeah in the run total and that would and and like one team run total and that would be like the outlier of of this series I mean just look at just, i mean i mentioned off the top that uh, no sec lineup has scored more than 3 runs in a game on georgia in the month of april look at look at their sec scores of of late. take their last two series 2 nothing 3 nothing 7-1 3 nothing 5-2 4-2 mm. they just don't they just don't give up runs that's right yeah. on the meet, on the on the weekend now they don't score runs either for the most part. I mean, that two, nothing and three, nothing that I mentioned the first at the, at the top that were, those were both losses Mm -hmm. to Tennessee. Uh, Then they won that, that final game seven to one. I just, I just don't see many runs coming this weekend. Both pitching staffs are incredible. Georgia's you could argue is the best in the nation by, by some metrics. Mississippi state is not far behind. I mentioned, uh, earlier, going through the numbers, that Georgia has the best WHIP in the nation at 1.05. Mississippi State's in the top ten uh, nationally. I don't have that tab open anymore. I want to say eighth or, or something to, to that effect. I could I could find it real quick if you're if you're that interested. The the point being, I don't anticipate many runs this weekend. And I, I think it's going to come down to which team has the bullpen arms going on on the given day. I mean, we know we know that. Mississippi State has guys like Colby Wyatt and Jared Lee Bell Brandon Smith, Jack Egan, Riley Self, Tristan Barlow, Keegan James, depending on his usage, Cole Gordon, who can piece together, all of them can piece together maybe seven, eight innings of scoreless ball in one weekend combined if they all have it going at the same time. And Georgia has the starters, uh, plus the relief options that we mentioned earlier, that... They don't really give up a lot of runs either, but it's it's a matter of which bullpen guys have it going this weekend in order to get through those 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth innings in scoreless fashion to preserve those 3-1 wins, those 4-1 wins that seem to be in, in Georgia's wheelhouse. That 3-2, 4-2 two, two game, that's that's right in Georgia's wheelhouse. So it, it's likely going to be – that kind of a game. It's just a matter of which team has the bullpen to hold on to that three, one lead instead of letting it turn into a four, three loss.
0: Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, um, I, I'm really looking forward to it just because, you know, you go throughout a baseball season, Brett, and there are some weekends that you don't get as genuinely excited about because maybe there's not an expectation or it's not at home. It's like, You know, I'll give you an example. When State went to Tennessee in Knoxville, that's not one that anybody circled at the beginning of the year. You're really pumped about it. However, you know, you do circle the LSU series when you host them. You do circle Super Bulldog weekend. And given the way things are to this point of the year, this is the kind of thing you hope for where State's got a really good team. They're going to sit here and host a really good team. Who's playing well in the top five in the country? It's going to bring people out. The weather's supposed to be mm-hmm. great, and it's it's good against good. This first string against first string this week in Starkville. So it's kind of what you look forward to. I agree, and I, I cannot I cannot suggest enough
1: that people try everything possible to get to that Friday game mm-hmm. because Ethan Small against Emerson Hancock yeah. is probably the best pitching matchup you're gonna get in start full this year, unless something comes in a regional or a super regional that's just out of this world. But I mean, even even Tanner Burns, I mean, that was supposed to be a really good matchup with Ethan Small, but Tanner just did not have it on on that given day. And I'm I'm scrolling through the schedule right now because they go to Texas A and M, two Ole Miss, and then South Carolina to end the year. I mean, I, I can't think of a better
0: pitching matchup. In duty, noble. This year, can you? No, no. I mean, you know, when you had Ethan Small against Hess from LSU on a Friday, that was pretty good. And we may look that up. That was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And we may look up in eight years from now, and those two guys are, you know, starters in the major leagues. And 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 then we'll look back at that. But for now, for everything we have information-wise, right now, this is the premiere. Uh, it's a premier pitching matchup we've had, no doubt
1: get a ticket get a ticket if you possibly yep, can or just right. uh or just watch it on on the stream and which games do you have this weekend matt do you have any
0: i don't have any um the schedule kind of worked out that way uh to begin with um this this is a weekend that we've known for a long time that um my daughter was going to be involved with um a pageant. It's a not not in a pageant, but she's singing the national anthem. I think um, for a Miss Teen pageant in Vicksburg. We've known that for a while. So this was one that, ah. that uh, Charlie was on the schedule for a couple of games and knew one would be televised early on. But you know, with a uh, with an under the weather family member over in Alabama, I came home for a little while and I'm looking at the possibility of heading back over there. So I don't even know if I'll get to that. It it'll be one where Hopefully, I can consume some baseball this weekend. So, right, but the,
1: the schedule as it as it stands: six thirty Friday, SEC Network Plus; Saturday at noon on SEC Network; Sunday at one, SEC Network Plus. I don't expect a ton of runs. How about how about this, Matt? I'm going to set an over under number on total runs for the weekend, and I'm going to put it at uh. I'm going to put it at 17 and a half. Whoa. Total for both teams? Total runs, both teams, 17 and a half.
0: Yeah. You know, see, and this is why I don't gamble because my init- my right away reaction would be I'd go over just because, you know, I saw this. Un- this is the time of year where you get these uncharacteristic weekends sometimes. And like state goes on the road in front of a big crowd at Arkansas last week and just stunk it up, and they're much better than they played. And I'm like, that could be Georgia this weekend. Georgia could yeah. go on the road, stink it up in front of a huge crowd, and be, and they're better than the way they play. So, but that that tendency to want to take this risk is exactly why I don't gamble. <laughs> I would do it way too much. that is, that is probably a low
1: number. I mean, because one. 7 run game would would more or less make that that number in, impossible to to be under. Yeah. So maybe it should be like more like 19. Not and if it were 19 that'd be really tough. Maybe 19 and a half. Let's 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 officially set it at 19 and a half.
0: Okay. 19 and a half. See that's that's a tough decision right there. Like I don't know. That that's Yeah, I would you know, I wouldn't in- I wouldn't have any confidence going either way because I mean that's right on it, I think.
1: How about this? When we when we post this pod uh later later Thursday, I'll tweet out a poll okay. and and have people place their
0: bets yeah. accordingly. Perfect. That'll be fun to see what we get. That'll be good. All right. Good. That's what I'll do. All right. Brett, great preview as always. Appreciate you um hanging in there with your groggy co host. I got my, my <laughs> hand up over here, but I made it, so I appreciate you as always. Good to have you back. Thank you. For bread, I'm Matt. This is Dogpile, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online at mslandbank.com and by Jubilation's Cheesecake in West Point. And we'll see y'all next time. See you.